It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Lucky day, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. Stay tuned, because it's on now. The Tom Sumner Program. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, on behalf Demo of Detroit, the hey, we want to present these buffs to our governor, hey. Big Gretch. Throw the buffs on her face, because that's Big Gretch. We ain't even about to stretch. We got Big Gretch. Woo. You can find her in the press under Big Gretch. Fresh in a new dress. Yeah, that's Big Gretch. Throw the buffs on her face, because that's Big Gretch. We ain't even about to stretch. We got Big Gretch. At all. You can find her in the press. Under Big Gretch. Fresh in a new dress. Yeah, that's Big Gretch. Come on. Big Gretch and this bitch playing no roles. Excuse all the cussing. That's just how I get my flow on. If you want to leave the state, you can stay gone. But right now, Big Gretch said stay home. All that protesting was irrelevant. Big Gretch ain't trying to hear y'all or the president. How we going to take orders from a non-resident? Talking about it safe, but he ain't coming with the evidence. Big Gretch got him shook now. When it's all over, you invited to the cookout. When it's all over, you deserve to get took out. Big Gretch with the bucks on on the lookout. Uh, and she doing it for Michigan, so when she hit the stand, everybody should be listening. She on that pair of bucks with the ice in them glistening. On behalf of the whole Detroit Michigan. Throw the bucks on her face, cause that's Big Gretch. We ain't even about to stress. We got Big Gretch. At all. You can find her in the press. Under Big Gretch. Fresh in a new dress. Yeah, that's Big Gretch. Throw the buffs on her face. Cause that's Big Gretch. We ain't even about to stress. We got Big Gretch. At all. You can find her in the press. Under Big Gretch. Fresh in a new dress. Yeah, that's Big Gretch. Big Gretch. Sometimes 
And welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program. My guest this hour is a novelist, poet, artist, and education reformer. His, uh, well, he wrote his first article about robots in 1990. And uh, he has a, um, a new book called Frankie about, uh, well, it's about a robot. And we're going to find out a lot more about that uh, from Bruce Price, who joins me by phone. Bruce, good morning, and welcome to the show. Good morning, welcome, and thank you. How did you get interested in robots and and now AI? Well, I was living in Manhattan, and there was an intellectual magazine I've been trying to remember. I think it might have been Intellectual Digest, and on the back cover they had a picture of a robot. This is 40 years ago. And uh, I was absolutely fascinated because they were making claims for this thing that could interact with people at trade shows. I didn't know very much, but it seemed to me this was like a 25-year leap. So uh, I, I got an assignment, and I went out to uh, Newark, and I went to a warehouse, and I actually met my first robot. So what is, it, I'm not a scientist or anything. I'm a novelist and an artist, but it's a uh, fascinating thing to me, and it's kind of emblematic of the whole future. I mean, everything, whatever is happening is going to be robots, computers, digital, and all that stuff, you know. Well, I, you know, um, uh, Andrew Yang, when he ran for president um, a couple of years ago, uh, when he first announced, he wrote a book, and in that book, he came up with this idea of universal, universal basic income as a, a way to change the economy, because his premise was that as technology evolves and AI becomes more a part of, of the technology moving forward, there were going to be less jobs for humans to do. And that we needed to to rework our economy because of that, um, and other people have raised that too. He just happened to be the first one that that I heard talk about it. Um, but you do something a little different in your book, Bruce, that that I find fascinating. You don't focus so much on the danger of the robot as the way people react to it. Yeah, well, I don't want to tell you much more than that, but... Uh, yeah, I don't want to do any spoiler <laughs> alerts, but, uh, but I do want to talk about it. it's a different it's a different take on the interaction between... In other words, let's put it like this. You have a robot come into an office place as a worker. I think some people will be very taken by that robot and be charmed by the whole idea of I'm working with a robot. Other people say, I don't want that on thing in, in my office. Uh, there might be some very atavistic stuff working. And I don't know that you can really anticipate all the different things, but I, I'm interested in the fact that it's, going to, it's not just that people will have likes and dislikes, but that when if, if you're commuting with, communicating with a 10-year-old child or a drunk person or maybe somebody just jumped off a UFO, you're not going to have perfect understanding. They're going to say something, you're going to say something, you're going to think you're communicating, and you say, okay, we'll go ahead with that. The next thing you know, the... The you know sometimes people's houses get taken down by accident. And that's with human beings. So uh, you know the guy the the workers come to the wrong address and they dismantle the house. I've heard heard of this just in the last few years. Anyway, so dealing with robots might be this kind of problem where you think you've got everything covered, and but you can't possibly because they're very smart and they may be thinking one step ahead of you or off to the side of you. Well, and the, and very likely. Um as as they evolve, they're they're likely to take things very literally. Ah, uh, that's a tricky statement. <laughs> it's 
should I agree or disagree? Well, I mean, no, you know, what What does your research and, and your thinking tell you about that? Do we have to be very careful about how we how we communicate with uh, artificial intelligence? I think that'll always be a problem, but it's always a problem with people generally. Yeah, and, that's uh, true. That's true. You don't have perfect communication, but the problem is with the robot, there's always that feeling that it won't know what its limits are and what appropriate action is. It won't know. It has. It's really weird, but I'm trying to think of these things. I've been, I've been writing a lot of stuff about this recently because of the, the book, and... Um, so I I, I I hate to hear my own self repeating anything to myself that I've ever said before. I'm, I'm, I always like to be saying something I never heard before. So that's an artist, the curse of the artist. But in any case, things will. I think things are going to be weird. But this is not just me saying this. This is Elon Musk is saying that we're finished. Five or ten years, <clears throat> it'll we'll turn a corner. We won't be able to get back. And the problem is going to be whether you say because um, misunderstanding or just because the robot sees things you don't see and it finds an answer that it never occurred to you to ask it you know to try to find and uh it, can i talk about uh you know games for a moment because that's where the, the best sure. examples are well it used to be you would tell uh give the computer um, the, the rules of chess and basic strategies and then the room the rule the games uh the rules of go and the basic strategies and it, that didn't go but so far the machines um the humans stayed ahead but what happened about five or ten years ago is they started a different way because the, the ai was getting so the brains the computer chips were getting so fast 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 and so they told the machine here's a book with a thousand of the greatest games ever figure out from this what you should do next and then it got really interesting because i guess the machine sat there for hours and days going through the infinity the trillions of possible options with all different games and the, the anyway the truth is now the uh, chess champion and the go champion of the world are ai not humans and the chinese were especially stunned by this because they had assumed that the chinese have a right to be the best you know uh, historical rights you might claim we are the go players the best and it can't be any other way it was to be a, ma- a chinese male well the chinese male is now the dethroned champion of go in china this is a huge thing because the, the and and this, and this i think would make people listening who are not you know don't know any of the details and don't care the the machine the ai will come up with moves that all the experts watching say that's a stupid move and it turns out it's the winning move now that right there is the most is the thing you should be scared of <laughs> i think so well yeah is is the um well, anytime we're likely to fear the unexpected. Well, it's just that the, the robot's gone to a different level. I mean, you know, some really the kind of thing only a child would do, the kind of move that only a child would do, and it turns out as they play it out and play it out and play it out. Do you subscribe to the notion that, that AIs uh, can be taught to learn? Can be taught to what? Learn. Um... I think it can be because that's the thing now. This, this, it's you know, I don't think people understand, but AI is actually just the smartest math people on the planet, and they know how to talk to computers because they've been doing code, 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 code for the first you know twenty years of their life, and they can communicate, and it's a way of tickling the 
the, 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 the AI systems start to have almost a personality. I've heard the phrase theory of theory. What is it? Theory of mind. Yeah, theory of mind, which we all supposedly have, but machines do not. And I, there's an article in Wired about this where one of these big, 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 big experts is saying, well, it started to have the feeling that it was this, you know, talking about a computer system, and it was having personality traits is what he's saying in so many words, subtle ones, but he was sensing them, that it was trying to work with him or against him or something like that. I mean, the machine is not supposed to have that. <laughs> it's just the machine. You know, it's, it's, it's wires and screws and, and rivets and things that are, I guess I should say, uh, wells. More with author Bruce Dietrich Price straight ahead. Everybody's doing a brand new dance now. Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. Do you ever feel like you need an attitude adjustment? Are you wishing there was a magic pill or a new app for your mobile device? Why don't you try live local music? Music can make you dance, bring back fond memories, inspire you to be more creative, whether you attend a child's school concert or recital, go to a local symphony concert, visit local bars and restaurants that feature dance music, sing-along piano, or jazz and blues. Music could be just what you're looking for. Supporting live local music is more than a way to support your local artists and economy. It's a great way to improve your own quality of life. Support live local music. This message is brought to you from the Tom What's up? Dana, what are you doing? Oh, you know, just, um, attorney general stuff. Listen, I have a legal question. What is it, Mom? I just got a call from the water company. Apparently, your father has not been paying the bill. I guess they're going to turn the water off because we owe more than $1,000 now. Can you believe it? Actually, I can't. So, listen... We just have to send them $200 in Edible Arrangements gift cards, and that will keep the water on. Now, here's the legal question. What is the website for Edible Arrangements? Mom, it's an imposter scam. Imposter scam. Is that .com or .edu? 
No, the call was a scam. Scammers will pretend to be a government agency or a utility company or someone else you might do business with. A big red flag is if they tell you that you can pay them using gift cards. So when in doubt, ask for the information to be sent to you in writing. And never give a caller or someone you don't know your personal information or your money. If you do suspect an imposter scam, report it to my office at mi.gov slash agcomplaints. Okay, all right. And Dina, where do I file a complaint that my daughter hasn't visited in over a month? Does your office have a website for that? Okay, Mom, I'm hanging up now. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. Hi, this is Deb Cherry, Genesee County Treasurer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Radio Show. More with author Bruce Dietrich Price, straight ahead. Anyway, it, it, there's mystery out there, and uh, the smart, two smartest people, I, I write about, I think about this a lot, Zuckerberg thinks everything's going to be great, and you shouldn't talk about the bad things, and Elon Musk is very uh, forthright in saying everything's going to go to hell. We're already beat. So, But there have always been those those two points of view. I, I even remember when, uh, was it Stephen Hawking who said that, uh, you know, we shouldn't really be embracing the idea of life from other planets visiting us because very likely it would not be good for us. Possible. And, and yet a lot of people like to, you know, sort of fantasize about E.T. and, you know, these fun little kid stories. But, um, you know, Stephen Hawking said this was something to be feared. Uh, again, that's that's one of those things where um, some people think it could be a good thing, and some people, you know, think that it's gloom and doom. Well, see, the, but the thing is, with Zuckerberg and uh, Musk, you've got the two smartest, richest guys on the planet squaring off diametrically. I find that fascinating in itself. In fact, that was a mother part of the story 40 years ago when I got back to Manhattan after meeting the robot in uh, New Jersey. I called up the few experts I could find, and none of them agreed with each other. I said, is this what this guy's claiming? Is it possible? And they all said, I don't know. And it was really, that made a bigger impression on me than anything else, that the field of robotic, robots was wide open. Nobody knew what was going to happen, what was going to happen, and how it was going to happen. And uh, that's the way it's still been, because here we are with the two smartest guys. So the average person, me, for example, a smart average person, I have no way of figuring any of this stuff out. And I'm, I'm just amazed that Musk is so sure that things aren't going to be good, and Zuckerberg is so sure things will be good. How did this, uh, this story for the, for the book, um, and did I say the title of the book the future is here and she's a lovely stranger named frankie <laughs> the book is called frankie right yeah 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 it's, it's funny too because uh it turns out there's another frankie in the years back i don't know why the, we're drawn to some of us are drawn to the word frankie i'm not even sure why it, anyway i had the dream about the uh, girl, woman walking beside the highway and it was a very vivid dream very short but she was misplaced in some way she was wearing a raincoat she looked preoccupied right near, you know, like a four-lane suburban highway, not a big highway. And I'm watching her, and I'm wondering, is, is she on the lamb? Is she what? And I, and I suddenly think, maybe that's a robot. In the dream, I'm thinking this. And, and as I'm waking up, I'm thinking, I'm going to write a book about a robot. 
And and in chapter one of Frankie, the, the the inventor brings Frankie home to meet his wife because he, he thinks she'll be very impressed. And in fact, she's not impressed at all. She's upset and threatened by this other woman coming into her house. And so all the themes I'm interested in are right there in chapter one. You know where the the, the wife reacts completely different from the husband, and. It's. I think. Think. Uh, one. A woman in the gym said. It's. It, I thought it was. <laughs> she made. She only read a little. Bit. She. She said. She said. I like your book. It's. It's more of a woman's book than a man's book. And that's <laughs> the last thing that ever occurred to me to even think in those terms. But. But she liked the fact that the wife. The why. The yeah. The wife's uh, worries and her anxieties and her anger. The wife takes an immediate dislike to the robot. And the first sentence is. When they meet, she says, oh, this is so amazing. What can I say in front of it? And uh, Raymond, the husband, says, her. Corrects it, her. <laughs> you see what I mean? It's, oh, it's now a woman. It's not just a machine. And uh, anyway, the wife doesn't like it at all. So that's, that's what leads to the uh, what they say in Hollywood, confusion and hilarity ensues. So uh, it, it, I like. I mean, it, it, this is interesting to me. The human thing. I'm writing. I'm a novelist. I'm not interested in writing. I hate the kind of sci-fi where you're creating a whole new world, you know, a thousand centuries away, and all that stuff. And some people, that's what science fiction is. So just so people understand, I'm I'm a contemporary novelist, and uh, this whole AI stuff is a year or two or three away from us. Everything that happens in the book could happen just in the near future. And if you listen to uh, Elon Musk, you think, yeah, well, it is happening. Because like, one of the things Elon Musk says, because he, he's a big-shot industrialist, he gets the presentations from all the factories and the brains around the world. So he's up to speed with everything. And he can talk about it very confidently, that everything's going to accelerate. He was talking about, you know, uh, Boston Dynamics, I don't know if people know that name, but that's those robots they're making that can jump over things and run across yeah. the field. Yeah, and he he must says yeah, but in a few years he said you'll need a strobe just to see it because they'll be moving so fast, and that's a scary thing right there. Yeah, that's something we don't uh, that we don't often think about. Is um, we in fact we sort of fashion robots in our own minds as being. Um, you know, the ones from the 50s and 60s, these lumbering trash cans, you know, with blinking lights and stuff. And, exactly. And, and they've really gotten a lot more sophisticated. In fact, not all robots are even designed to or are fashioned after people. They're designed to do whatever it is they're designed to do. Well, it's going to go every direction. It really it would cause a lot less problems if they don't look like people. In in Frankie, Frankie looks just like a, a good-looking thirty-year-old woman, so she's competitive with, with the wife right from the start. And then the wife figures out that she's not a, she's based on her. In other words, her husband made the robot look like her as a kind of a tribute. But what the wife is thinking about is, in a few years, she'll be older, and the robot will still. <laughs> Same woman she was years ago. I mean, you see so many angles. And uh, I'm working on an article now for a company in in Europe. They asked me to write about the workplace. And and if you really want to make things simple, you just make the robot look some strange way. Make it gold. Make it silver. Make it anything. But if if you want it to look like a human, then you're going to have human-robot confusion and anxieties and ambivalences and all kinds of weird things. And some people want this, I think. I think there'll be offices that say, yeah, we want our workers to all look the same. I get some kind of civil rights thing. I mean, it's really, it's going to be, <laughs> that'll be scary in itself. Is this, is this a standalone book, Bruce, or do you anticipate 
a sequel or even possibly a, a series? Everybody wants that. And, and as an artist, I hate the idea of repeating myself. So I've, I've got another book called The Boy Who Saves the World, which is also a take on AI. Um, and I, I never think that way, to be honest with you. I just, I just don't. I just, it's hard I, to, I always, uh, you know, I, I ask writers, especially those that have written trilogies or series, if they get to the end of a book and think to themselves, but wait, there's more. And that's how the series is born. But um, sometimes they're actually planned right from the beginning. And I just wondered, in your case, because of what you said earlier about not liking to repeat yourself or revisit a, a subject, um, or at least not in the same way. Well, see, the thing is, the, the publishers put pressure on the writers to do this. And, and in fact, one company I was communicating about something in England said that the bookstores want to be told what book is the new book like? I thought, oh my God, it's, it's hard. I never imagined such a thing years ago. In other words, they don't want to read anything they haven't already read before. That's what it comes down to, and that's <clears throat> that's the opposite of the way I think. Or it, everything least, will be confusing. And, and okay. I see that a lot in pitches for books, uh, Bruce. I'll, I'll see something like, uh, you know, this is uh, this book is a cross between uh, Robinson Crusoe and Star Wars, or something. You know. Some some kind of way to get an idea of what the story is about, and you know what what happened to writing a four or five sentence synopsis? Well, that's all these things are happening. Everything's happening. It is very strange. <laughs> the only thing I wanted to tell you is the only feeling I had along this line. There's a lot of good characters in Frankie. There's about ten of them. And I thought to myself, you know, I could write another book about several of these characters. Not Frankie, but several of the humans. And, in fact, I got one strange review, but one thing that was in it was that uh, Bruce Price gets an extra star for uh, writing strong female characters. And I thought, that that's interesting, but I do love writing strong female characters. I mean, if a man is strong, there's no irony or surprise, but if a woman is, gets in your face in the book, you know, and uh, or she's <clears throat> very resourceful with weapons or whatever it is, that is fun to me. I don't know why I enjoy it, but it's fun to... I, I've got a number of books where the, the women are very kick-ass, if I may say so. Of course. And, and, um, and a lot of writers are start, starting to bring women out of the shadows and into strong and lead roles. Well, I don't know about what other women... You know, I have to confess something strange to you and probably amaze you. I, all I, do, I work seven days a week on education and, and fiction, and I haven't read a book by anybody else but me in ten years because I just work all the time. You know, and I was so going to ask you if there were any writers that inspired you or, or any that you think are particularly good, but if you haven't read anything in a while, what about ten years ago? Well, all the standard famous people, I admire them all, and I, I dip down in, back into things. That's one of the great things in uh, Amazon where they call Look Inside the Book. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, okay, you, you bring the book up, read five or ten pages of Joseph Conrad or somebody you haven't looked at in 50 years, and you say, oh, that was nice, <laughs> like like a little swim, you know. And uh, so it's, I do that. I do things like that, and I don't, I don't know how to explain to you. I've always got... Um, I've always got a lot of projects going. I've been thinking about writing another book, and uh, at some point people should stop. But anyway, I, I, I've got it in my mind for years. 
and then their world fell apart. And that's what it. But it's. It, I wanted to write the ultimate thriller merged to the ultimate love story. And I said, okay, Bruce, this is something worthy of your time. <laughs> and I, I thought thinking, I said, no, maybe you're not big enough and small enough to write a book like this. So anyway, that's uh-huh. these are the kind of, kind of things I think about. By the way, I want to tell people my name. It's Bruce Dietrich Price. Um, I'm, I only use my name, Bruce Dietrich Price, because it's only one of me. Although recently, um, an academic place at Dips and Financing, there was a Bruce Dietrich Price, a doctor type, a scientist really upsets me because I've been saying I'm a unique name. I'm a brand name. and But unfortunately, some people don't know how. They've never heard the way the name Dietrich pronounced, so they say something funny. In fact, I, the guy was talking to me on the radio, and I was early in the day, and I was just wasn't in a bright mood, and he said Bruce Dietrich or something. I said, wait a minute, Bruce. And I corrected him rather aggressively. And so, I, Jesus, I'm ruining the whole thing before it even starts. <laughs> but, but I just thought I shouldn't let that hang in the air. I said, don't I have a responsibility to make sure? No, but, but it's interesting um, because um, some announcers are taught that um, the, the Eastern European um, pronunciation pronounces the second vowel. You got me now. No, I can't comment. No, no, I, I, I'm not trying to, to put you on the spot. I'm just trying to explain why an announcer would make that assumption. Well, it, it's, uh, what's the, Dietrich, I think, is, is that the, isn't that the official German pronunciation? Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, okay. <clears throat> But Marlene Dietrich, it was Dietrich by that point. I had three grandfathers, great-grandfathers came over in 1823. That's, and that's all I know, three German brothers. But they and were hers probably, was C-H, and yours is C-K. Yeah, there's four spellings as you reverse the things. I had these two grandfathers that were doctors, and I think the word D-I-E probably got them to go to D-E-I. That's just a guess. <laughs> and and I don't know what, I guess the T-R-I-C-H is such, the word trick isn't very respectable in a way, but the um, the other, it, the T-R-I-C-H is such a strange uh, uh, combination in our language. I don't know what it is. I mean, it, but the name is a mess. It, there's a lot of Dietrichs that are probably all semi-related, but they started spelling the name differently around 1850, 1900. You know, that Pennsylvania Deutsch, the people talk about the Pennsylvania Dutch, but it's not Dutch, Dutch it's Deutsch. There was an awful lot of Germans came over into Phil- into Pennsylvania, and then they hopscotched down the down through Richmond, down into North Carolina, and so on. Bruce, um, how many books do you have? I have only about ten, because I've been I've been an artist all my life, and I was running a business. And I tell you the truth, I am very talented, but very impractical. I start writing something, and after six months, I, I don't know what to do with it or i don't know how to finish it i don't start off thinking what does the market want and it's i'm trying to give advice in a roundabout way to people well in the beginning maybe it should be a little practical but but the process to me is what's exciting i love creating the thing in my brain and then working it out and uh, meanwhile in the last 20 years i've been the major writer in the country on education so that's kept me busy and uh i think i can save the public schools which is crazy because they are determined to commit suicide so if, you, if we got time we could talk about that but the thing is it all fits together i think frankie's a little bit educational i mean it's not a book for people who are techies it's a book for people who aren't techies but would like to know what techies are talking about and uh, i think that's good Interesting. you know a lot of people a lot of little ladies reading crime mysteries i'm thinking don't read a crime mystery it's same old story this is one about a robot you know and you'll learn a little something you know <laughs> um 
you know, there's, um, you just made me think of uh, somebody I taught, I interviewed recently who had written a book about a murder that took place in uh, Agatha Christie's house and was solved by her housekeeper. It was a real different twist on, uh, on, on that kind of mystery, but, um, I've written a couple of uh, mysteries, and I, and I, I mean, I tried to, and uh, I'm a big admirer of them. I went through that whole thing with, um, let's see, who's the greatest man of all time? Um, oh, it, well, now you're going to find it. My memory's not as perfect as it used to be, but I didn't think I'd be talking about it. But anyway, our, our, our major guy, um, and I'm, funny, I, I'm, embarrassed, I'm embarrassed to be... From uh, mysteries? To, to, yeah, the most famous uh, crime detective writer Sherlock of the 19- Holmes. No, I mean our country, 1940s, 1950s, 1960s. Oh, Raymond Chandler. Of course. And uh, I know all about Raymond Chandler. I read all his books. I went through a whole thing. And at the end of it, I wrote one. And, uh, see, I wrote one uh, about set in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Oh, oh, and then I actually wrote a bunch of others. Not, I haven't published these. One of them I published. But um, I asked the question, what would Raymond Chandler do with Manhattan? And I wrote a, a book called Art and Beauty, which I recommend to everybody because nobody's bought it yet. It's a little tiny niche uh, ebook publisher called, uh, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, it doesn't matter. Art and Beauty is the name of it, but it's got a weird name. Uh, Web ebooks, that's it, W E B hyphen E hyphen books. Web ebooks. But anyway, it's called Art and Beauty, and it's about the art world and the, and the modeling agencies and the art world, that's the beauty part, and the art world where the, all the big money people have money tied up in art galleries with famous artists. And I thought I was so clever. Probably everybody who's seen this title thinks it's about something to do with, um, you know, cosmetics or something. I don't know. Art, art and beauty, you see. I thought it was so clever to put that together. I mean, you have to know it's a detective novel, then art and beauty is pretty clever. <laughs> I invented a guy named I invented a guy named John Dack and and I'm I, I, I'm very proud of that book but nothing came, I didn't do any I didn't they didn't know what to do with it and I think they didn't realize how completely Amazon would take over everything you know so if you oh, see yeah. another little small company is selling something you might think oh well, I don't want to deal with a company I don't know who they are but anyway it's called Art and Beauty and it is almost uh, that's a series I was going to do a series with with, with John Dack. And I, I had another one. Uh, I was just proof, proofing about six months ago. The book's thirty years old. It's been sitting there, like so many things I brought back from New York. Anyway, um, don't let me go on any subject because I can just go forever. Well, it's dangerous. I, it's, I've, it's dangerous really, I, <laughs> I've really been enjoying this. And before we run out of time, I want to make sure, as I do with all my guests, Bruce, to give you an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you and your work, past, present, and future. Do you have a website you'd like to share? Well, yeah, the, the, the main one was destroyed by the, the host company, and that's a whole big sub. That's education. But for the book, there's a little site with just two words, Frankie.Zone, Z-O-N-E, Frankie.Zone. I'll tell you a, a little more background on the book. It's a very cute little site. And uh, it has a sample from Chapter 1. You can meet Frankie, meeting the wife and the husband. and Yeah. The, so book, that's, that's, the book is called Frankie, and it's a, a look into the future of AI by author Bruce Dietrich Price, my guest. Wait, 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 just a minute, just a minute. That's what the PR firm came up with for, for the mailing they did to you. Oh. My so book is not... called Frankie. There's nothing else there. 
and uh, it says, in fact, I use Elon Musk on my title page. Things are going to change in five or ten years. It's going to be, oh, I know what he says. AI will be superior to us in five or ten years. I don't know what to do about this. I mean, this is Elon Musk looking down from his very high perch and thinking, uh-oh, the dam is breaking and I can't stop it. So, Well, the name of the book is Frankie, right? Yeah, that's all, just Frankie. But Frankie.zone will get him right there. I mean, it's, it's at Amazon now and Barnes & Noble and everywhere. In fact, it's cheaper on Barnes & Noble. For some reason, I don't understand. So what's but, next it, for you, Bruce? Uh, I am promoting this book and, and writing a lot, and I'm, I've got a... My bio is on that little site. And the last item is a book of points for children called Silly and Serious. I have a friend down here in Virginia Beach. That's where I am, Virginia Beach. And uh, she raised her kid uh, on my poems. And she kept saying to me, Bruce, when are you going to do something with this book of poems? And so she and I are going to invest in this together. I'm hoping to get back to work. Here, I'll, I'll give you one of my poems because I, I, I never tried to remember it. It just came, it just wrote itself and then it stayed in my mind. It's called Linguini and it goes like this. Mr. Batteranarini loves to eat linguini. He has never, never, ever, ever been a minute late for a date with a plate. But if you sat down less than a pound, piled up high in a great big mound, Mr. Batteranarini will sigh and say, oh, you meanie, that's too teeny. You know how I love linguini. <laughs> See, isn't that a nice thing? That's, that's fun. Like a, that's, a, that's like a, a sunburst, and it, it, it just it, it wrote itself, and it stayed in my brain all by itself. I never had to work at it, memorizing it. All the other poems I didn't I haven't memorized any of them, except one of them starts off, there was a goosey named Lucy who fell in love with a moosey named Brucey. This is the stuff I like. <laughs> it's high-level silly, but uh, I think brainy people always speak highly of silliness. So, um, I mean, really brainy people. Well, uh, Bruce, you are a lot of fun to talk to, Bruce, and I feel like we could go on forever, but uh, unfortunately, we're out of time. Um, all I want to say is, is thank you for spending some of your time with me and the listeners, and keep up the good work. Oh, thank you very much for having me. You can wait for this t- more t- time to go by for things to develop, and we'll try it again. All right. Sounds good, Bruce. Take care. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was uh, Bruce Dietrich Price. He is uh, a novelist, poet, artist, and education reformer, and the author of a book called Frankie. And we'll have more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead. Thank you. 
fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck up. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wanky stories we call the X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. Do you have feelings of inadequacy? Do you suffer from shyness? Do you sometimes wish you were more assertive? If you answered yes to any of these questions, ask your doctor or pharmacist about tequila. Tequila Tequila is the safe, natural way to feel better and more confident about yourself and your actions. Tequila can help ease you out of your shyness and let you tell the world that you're ready and willing to do just about anything. You'll notice the benefits of tequila almost immediately. And with a regimen of regular doses, you can overcome any obstacle that prevent you from living the life you want to live. Shyness and awkwardness will be a thing of the past, and you'll discover many talents you never knew you had. Stop hiding. 
and start living with tequila. Tequila may not be right for everyone. Women who are pregnant or nursing should not use tequila. However, women who wouldn't mind nursing or becoming pregnant are encouraged to try it. Side effects may include dizziness, nausea, vomiting, incarceration, erotic lustfulness, loss of motor control, loss of clothing, loss of money, loss of virginity, delusions of grandeur, table dancing, headache, dehydration, dry mouth, and a desire to sing karaoke and play all night rounds of strip poker, truth or dare, and naked twister. Warning, the consumption of alcohol may make you think you're whispering when you're not. Is a major factor in dancing like a retard. May cause you to tell your friends over and over again that you're in love with them. Also may cause you to think you can sing. Alcohol may lead you to believe that ex-lovers are really dying for you to telephone them at four in the morning. Alcohol may make you think you can logically converse with members of the opposite sex without spitting. It may create the illusion that you are tougher, smarter, faster, and better looking than most people. And it may lead you to think people are laughing with you. Alcohol may cause pregnancy. And it also may be a major factor in getting your ass kicked. So what are you waiting for? Stop hiding and start living with tequila. From the Tom Sumner Show. Oh, yeah. This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. There are many shows on the air which are basically interview shows, and they start out in a very austere setting. Uh, there's the interviewer, he sits behind a desk, and in the background somewhere, some figure in the news sits. He's later in the show blinded by a spotlight. <laughs> I'd like to present one of these shows. They start off very dramatically, something like this. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Mike Wallace, Nightline. Our guest in the studio tonight is Dr. Warner von Warner, one of the many German missile scientists involved in our American missile program. Dr. von Warner, I suppose the question most often asked you, you were involved in the German missile program, you're now involved in our missile program. Was the fact that you were involved in the German missile program a matter of political conviction, or was this political expediency on your part. <laughs> oh boy, that one, huh? <laughs> Actually, I didn't, I didn't have that much to do with it, to tell you the truth. Um, this is back around 1940. I was working at a beer garden in Stuttgart. <laughs> And like on Friday night, you know, the waitresses and the waiters, we'd go to one of the girls' pads, you know, and uh, <laughs> order some pizzas and some schnapps and get half-gassed, you know. <laughs> and I used to fool around with these inventions, you know, and I'd take this tin can and put a firecracker underneath it, and I'd like the firecracker, and the thing go four or five feet up in the air, you know. And everybody'd say, what the hell was that? Or what a nut that Warner is. Somebody want to get Warner's hat. You know, something like that. Except there's one party, a little guy walks over, he's got a little mustache and a... <laughs> piece of hair falling on his <laughs> He says, hey, that, uh, that was interesting what you did with a, with a tin can there. <laughs> but uh, what, uh, what causes that? Eh? I said, well, see, that's, um, for every action, there's a reaction, you see. And the, the force of the firecracker is it's, see, it's, first of all, it starts toward the floor. 
Well, the top of your cans is... <laughs> Every time I do it, it jumps four <laughs> What, uh, what do you call that thing there? I said, that's, uh, that's a Arcot. It's named after my landlord, Irving Arcot. <laughs> See, I was, I was about three months behind in the end, you know, and comes a knock at the door, and he says, look, Varner, you know, you got to knock off with the firecrackers in the middle of the night, you know, because the neighbors are complaining. And don't hand me the Madame Curie bit, you know what I mean? <laughs> what her landlord wanted to do about her rent, that's his business. I want my rent. See? I said, look, I'm working on an invention. If it works out, I'll name it after you. He says, you're gonna call it an Irving? <laughs> so no, I'm gonna call it a rocket. So anyway, the guy at the party, little mustache, piece of hair falling in his eyes. He says, that would make a terrific weapon, you know that? <laughs> I said, well, you'd have to get right on top of the guy. <laughs> hit him in the face or something like that with, with a tin can to really hurt him. I think your big problem is going to be getting that close to the guy, you know? He says, no, no, what, what, if, what if we took a hundred firecrackers and a great big tin can, see? I said, well, we saw that, but your problem there is, see, by the time you light the fuse on the last firecracker, He said, look, the, the, reason, the reason I'm asking you all this, I'm headed to German people. I said, oh. I said, uh, you know, congratulations. I, you know. I hadn't seen a paper in a couple of days, so I took a verse. He says, would you like to be involved in our MISA program? I said, well, you know, I got a pretty good thing going at the, at the beer garden. You know, he says, look. <laughs> he says, it's a civil service job. <laughs> Three fifty a month. When you're 55, you go down to Baden Baden and forget the whole scene. <laughs> so anyway, all they want me to do, I sign these requisitions. Liquid oxygen, I don't know what it is. I'm signing Warner von Warner, and every month, three fifty. There it is, like clockwork. <laughs> Anyway, make a long story short, we lose the war. <laughs> and the Americans come to me, you know, and I've been getting offers from the Russians and all that, and they say, look, Warner, you know, we've seen your name on some of the requisitions, and uh, how'd you like to be involved in the American missile program, you know? I said, look, actually, I didn't have that much to do with it, you see. I mean, I was at this party in Stuttgart, see? <laughs> They said, ne never, mind, never mind, we need a name. No, we so anyway, I, I, I took the job, and uh, there it is, four fifty a month. When I'm 55, I go down to Fort Lauderdale, and <laughs> it's a pretty good deal. Well, uh, Dr. Von Warner, our time is running out on us. Uh, we have now put a man in space. The Russians, some two or three weeks before that, had put a man in space. Was this the eventual plan of the German missile program to put a man in space? Oh, we, we put a man in space. Oh, sure, back in uh, 1940. I put my brother-in-law, Herman, I put him on. <laughs> well, 
now that's amazing because of course the, the big problem we found uh, putting a man in space was the problem of reentry, and apparently in 1940 you had already solved that problem well, what problem is this you're talking about <laughs> well dr. von Warner we want to thank you very much for stopping by and wish you continued success. Well, thank you very much. Now, are you going to give me the money or are you send a check to me? <laughs> this was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program.
Don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner. 